Thank you for that special there. Goes right along with what we'll be talking about today, which is a testimony of what God is doing in my own heart. What a great week we have had um, last week there with the preaching. And um, as I got the schedule to see where I was preaching at in chapel, um, took me back a little bit and a sense of responsibility and the weight, thinking of all the great preaching last week, and then I am the first chapel speaker after Victory Conference. And I don't know about you, but it scared me a little bit. But I know God has given me a burden um, to give here, and uh, I was thinking through to some of the different messages that were there, and I trust that you were drawn closer to Jesus Christ as I was, and especially with Dr. Jim's message at the alumni banquet, and just about that fire burning in your heart. And it's easy to be in college here, and you think that one day I'm going to get that degree, I'm going to graduate, and then my life is going to be that which is just given to the Lord, and God can use me. And you can get to that point, and I've gotten to that point. I even have two of them, went through seminary. And you know, just being to that point doesn't automatically make ministry happen, and it's easy to get caught in the day-to-day -day things, and that fire can kind of cool off a little bit. And so for my own life to be challenged, and I was praying about this burden, what to present here this morning, um, seeing it all come together to be renewed and refreshed in my own walk with God. If it stops there, though, and just the manifest presence, God working in our heart, that's not it. We don't want to just be encouraged and excited and, well, this is the truth. We want to go so much further beyond that. Uh, we want people and lives to be impacted. And just as we're saying here, Jesus paid it all. This is the incredible reality. He has covered my sin. He's covered your sin. Um, a couple weeks ago, I decided to go in for a procedure. How many of you wear corrective lenses of some sort? Glasses, contacts, something like that. Okay, I was there with you until a couple weeks ago. Said, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of these things. Having them on, playing with Lucy and setting them aside, putting them under the crib, a good, safe place while I play with her, and then I'll remember where they're at and then needing to go, and then spending five, ten minutes looking for my glasses. And so I decided, hey, I've heard about LASIK surgery. I'm going to look into that, see what we can do, do a long-term investment. And uh, a couple weeks ago, less than an hour, walked in. I had an appointment before that point, but then I went through the surgery. And I remember going into that surgery thinking, if this does not work, <laughs> I'm not going to be helping the facility guys anymore. They might be excited about that. Good, Mr. Force has not seen any of this. And you know, God's word is like that, where sometimes we have to peel back layers and then let that laser of God's word do that work. And it was incredible just sitting there you know, does the thing with the eyes. Okay, get up, walk from here over to here. And I felt kind of like the guy there um, where Jesus did the, the miracle for him. I see men as trees. That was kind of it. Like, <laughs> everything's blurry now. Okay, I, I know what he's feeling like. <laughs> this doctor better help. <laughs> Laying on the next table there. And Jesus, help this doctor. Help him to be able to fix it. And you know what? He was. And today, the next day went in. Um, 2020 vision today. I'm looking out. I'm seeing you. I'm not wearing glasses. I'm not wearing contacts. And it's awesome. It's so cool that I was talking to my wife a little bit about it. 
And it's like, you know, around the house, like, oh, I can see that calendar there with the numbers on it from this distance. That, that's great. Ah, I can see that. Wow, I can look out into the, the parking lot and I can actually see faces and I can see things here. And those of you that you have glasses, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that don't, you've never had that, never experienced that. You're with my wife and she said, Caleb, that's how I live my life. <laughs> Sorry, you can't ex- have that joy and that excitement. As I thought about that, though, so many people, they need that laser work of the gospel in their heart, in their life. And I want to share a simple truth from John chapter 10. Verses that we're familiar with, but I think can help encourage us, challenge us, especially as we think of the warmer weather, Easter coming up here. Um, Would the manifest presence of Jesus Christ not just stop in our lives and in us being changed but then would it flow out to those around us. So John chapter 10, let's stand for the reading of God's word here. John chapter 10, looking at verse 24, follow along as I read it there. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But if ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them from my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Jesus, would you meet with us even here at this moment? I pray that you would speak through me the words that would challenge and help um, each heart here, that we would go on living your presence, letting it be alive in our lives, but then changing those around us, and then even taking the sacrifice of seeing others. And Lord, we think of what you have done for us, how you have paid for our needs, you paid for our sin, you've given us a purpose, and I pray that even this morning you would use this powerfully in the life of each one here. We pray this your name. Amen. Maybe seated there as we look through this chapter, the context is Jesus Christ talking about the sheep and the shepherd. Growing up in New Mexico, they did sheep herding there, the Navajo Indians. And, um, as we get into these verses, we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but sometimes sheep were born early on in the spring. And even though we're in New Mexico, we're in the higher elevation there, northern New Mexico, and it would get cold. So these people not wanting to lose their sheep and the investment they put in, what they would do when a little lamb was born is they would bring it inside. And these lambs could be there from February, March, and then maybe into April go out, and they would get to know the owner so well. Hear the voice. And they'd become like these pets. And Jesus Christ giving this illustration, as I think about it, the analogy of the sheep. So even though that sheep, that lamb, would know the voice of the owner, And though it would respond, yet it didn't help make that sheep any smarter. If you look through Psalm 23 and you do any other looking into um, just the sheep, they are not smart creatures. Of themselves, they would not last very long. Their coat gets full of burrs can get those little uh, insects in there that can eat away at them and cause disease. If they're not careful, they can fall over and get onto their back, and then they can't get up, and so they need the shepherd. And it's so bad that if they can't get up in a certain amount of time, they suffocate to death. 
And here Jesus Christ is, picturing us like sheep. And isn't it so true in each one of our lives, if it were not for Jesus Christ in our life, where would we be? What would we be experiencing? He gives, in a couple verses, the great I am statements. I am the door of the sheep. What a confidence we can have. Jesus Christ, when I am his and he is mine, he's the door. I have nothing to worry about. I am the good shepherd. A shepherd, one who wants to protect his investment, the shepherd who invests his life and will stay up and even be in that door of the sheep and sleeping in that doorway in an uncomfortable position. Think of Jesus Christ and all that he wants to give to us, all that he has given to us, I am the good shepherd. And the people here, they were having a hard time understanding this. They, they, you know, verse 19, there is a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. What is going on here? What are you saying, Jesus? And really, it comes down to verse 27 is where I want to focus in at. The offer that Christ gives. He talked in verse 15, 17, and 18 of his laying down his life. 15, I lay down my life. Verse 17, I lay down my life. Verse 18, I lay down my life. And what was so confusing? What were people not understanding here? They were seeing all the miracles that Jesus was doing. They were seeing all the physical things that were happening. But Jesus was saying there needs to be something in your heart that's happening. Even as we talked about last week, the manifest presence of Christ, it has to be seen by faith in our hearts. Understand this is who Jesus Christ is and then walking from that point. Verse 28 is where I want to take out the first point, the offer of Christ. First of all, I see that he offers us salvation. And I know this is something that's familiar, something that we we know, we know these verses, we think about them. But I wanted to, again, be reminded and renew our appreciation for what Jesus Christ has done. He has given us salvation. If we were to take and think of a This is eternity, this rope here, and we will see how much we can kind of untangle of it. Think of the salvation that Jesus Christ gives. Your life being this blue part. Seems like a lot, right? If that was all that we saw. But then if we started to take and to open up this rope and Make this define eternity, and it just keeps going on and on, and it doesn't get tangled up in itself. (laughs) Which is no problem. I think we get the point. We realize that Jesus Christ, if he could, if we could give our trust to him to take care of all of this, why can't we trust him then in our lives in this part. We don't know how much we have, how much um, life is there. All of us, we would love to see a lot of life, but it may be a short life. So my challenge for us today is to not get focused in what one day could be. One day I'm going to be out of college. and One day I'm going to be a missionary. And one day God is going, I want God to use me powerfully, but that it would be today as I trust God for how he has helped me in my eternal destiny, all of eternity that just stretches on and on and on, if I can trust him for all that, then today I can be trusting him here for what he has in my life. 
this relationship in salvation, it started there and it continues to go all through eternity. And here's a thought, how I trust Christ, what I do now, it's impacting all of this in eternity. And you know, if there was one thing that I wish in college I had understood better and that I had taken more time to focus on is just that reality that what I do for eternity, that's what's going to matter. And so seeing lives changed, not because of who I am, because of my personality, but because Jesus Christ, he saved me and he's making a difference in my life. And Jesus, I wanna see that happen in the lives of others. Not only does he give us salvation, not only is that a relationship for eternity that we can experience, he gives us security. If we can trust Jesus Christ for our whole eternity, we can know that he'll keep us secure in our lifetime. Uh, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. This idea of perish is that uh, Satan coming and accusing us. God, do you see what that child just did of, your, of yours, what he just did there? He messed up. Maybe he's whispering in her ear, you're never going to make it. You made some decisions there at the Victory Conference, and look, we're already half a week away from it. Yeah, and look, at you, you decided you're going to do this. You're going to meet with God here. And has that even happened? Oh, you're, you're good for nothing. And this idea of perish, they're not going to perish. What we have to realize is it's not based on us. Okay, yes, I have failed. Yes, there have been things that I've done. But Jesus Christ, he has covered it. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Not only does he give us salvation, not only does he give us security, he gives us a safeguard. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When I was giving this for the third and fourth graders to teach them Baptist distinctives, we're talking about how God keeps us. I put something in my hand there, and I had one of the third graders come up and try and take it out. Do you think he won? Nope. My fist grip was too strong. That's what Jesus Christ says. Satan comes, like that third grader coming up. I'm going to try and take him out. I'm going to try and pluck him out. Well, then I changed roles. I had the third grader put it in his hand, and a fourth grader come up. Mm, that was a little bit easier of a battle right there. Then I took that third grader's hand, and I put my hand around his hand, had that fourth grader try and to pluck it out. Was he able to? Is he able to get it? This is where we're at. This is where Jesus Christ holds us. And this relationship that we have with God, he says, you're not going to be able to pluck them out. No man is able to pluck them out. Verse 29, then my father which gave them me, he's greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Jesus Christ there and the father a safeguarding our lives. As I was praying about what to present here, to give, to preach, I come, remember coming across these verses and the Holy Spirit saying, this is it. Okay, these are really familiar, Holy Spirit. But this is what is it, and even as I was preparing, just thinking through, is this, okay, this is it. And realizing that sometimes these truths can be so commonplace. And as I studied and I let God do that work in my life, I realized, you know what? I've become just content, complacent. I have experienced all this that God has for me, salvation, security, safeguarding, and all those that are around in communities that God wants me to reach, I haven't really been burdened for it like I ought to be. 
And I've been appreciative, but not really, because have I been going out? Have I been speaking for Christ as I ought? Have I been sacrificing in that way? And there's a number of things that were coming um, together at this point, realizing, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Help me not to come to that point where it's just so commonplace, I don't even think about it. Would I be overwhelmed? Would I be awed at the salvation, the relationship that you give me? That is the offer of Christ. Number two, I want us to see our response then to the offer. Verse 27 is where I see this at. Our response to the offer. My sheep hear my voice. There's something between hearing and recognizing the voice of Jesus Christ and letting it register. Jesus Christ is speaking to each one of us. Jesus Christ spoke to us last week. The question is, did you hear him and let that life change happen in your, life, in your heart? First of all, this is for salvation, and I believe we all understand that. This hearing Jesus Christ, that call, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I place my trust in Jesus Christ. But that's not where this hearing stop. It goes for sanctification. In our daily walk with Jesus Christ. So I ask you, how have you done at hearing the voice of Jesus Christ? Even today, this morning, did you hear him speak to you? You know, when we talk of the presence of Jesus Christ, it isn't just something that happens during the Victory Conference. It isn't something that just happens during Sunday we're in church. This is something that happens every day when we're willing to hear his voice. Let him speak to us through his word, taking that time with him. And then, we're not only going to hear his voice, then we're going to follow him. My sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Lucy, she likes to hear my voice, especially when it's what she wants. But I can tell you there's a difference between her hearing my voice and following it, and her hearing it and deciding not to follow it. Have you ever been there before? Maybe you've seen little kids in that way. You know, Lucy, come here. Hmm. I'm playing something really fun right now. Or she may not be doing anything real fun, but she just decides all of a sudden, is this really what I want to be doing? Now, think about this. Do I have Lucy's best interest in mind? You better believe I do. Yeah. Fun, full of life, taking that time together. So when I'm asking her to come, when I'm asking her to follow me, when I'm asking her to grab my hand because we're in the parking lot, her best interests are mine. When Jesus Christ calls to you and he says, follow me, does he have your best interest in mind? Do you live that way? And as I was thinking on this, I know for my own self, up for a while here, I was living with my interests in mind. And so I would let Jesus Christ fit in where it was convenient. Okay, so I need to go out soul winning. Uh, once a week. Okay, let's try and fit that in. Where can I fit that in? Where can I make that happen? And I, it was a blessing having the Joshua challenge and to be looking for those opportunities and making those opportunities to be giving out a gospel track and getting into the gospel. One day, I, it was early in the morning, and I ha went to go hand a guy a track, and I totally missed it, messed it up, and I said, this tells you how you can't go to heaven. <laughs> 
If you keep going the way you're going, and we talked a little bit before that point, uh, that you won't go to heaven. And so, yeah, if you don't do this. But giving the gospel and listening to Jesus Christ's voice, and when he says, follow me and give this person a track, follow me and talk to this person about the gospel, follow me and pray with this individual, it's, he has my best interest in mind. He's helping to build my faith. He's helping to meet the needs and the life of this other person. Would we do that? Would we understand that? Investing in lives for eternity, this is what following Jesus is about. Taking time to pray with another college student. It doesn't fit into my schedule. I, I'm busy. I have homework to do. I'll pray with you. More time out winning each week. Okay, this is what's required, but what does Jesus want me to do? That time in prayer, that time in fasting and taking, hearing his voice. Even following through with what he said last week in the preaching to you. Are you willing to surrender and to follow him? Not only should we hear his voice and then follow him, but that middle phrase there, and I know them. I know them. This is an intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ and us and the blessing is that Jesus knows you. He knows where you're weak. He knows where you want to go in your own, your own way. And he wants to give the grace in that time to follow him. You know, the shepherd, he knows this sheep. This one here, a little rambunctious. Uh, we're going to have to hobble them together. And if you've ever seen sheep out in a pasture, sometimes you'll see where they're hobbled together. Why are they hobbled together? Why are the feet tied together? Because this one... It runs away. It's not hearing the voice of the shepherd. And if the case gets really bad, the shepherd will go and break that sheep's leg and then carry it with him. And you know, at the end of that point, that sheep and that shepherd are so close, they have that bond, that sheep will always be right there by that shepherd then. You know, Jesus Christ doesn't want to come to that point. Jesus Christ wants us to hear and to follow and to do what he would ask without some of those things in our life. But he knows us. He knows our heart, and I trust that even today, would we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know my heart. It's, sometimes I just want to go my own way. It's so easy. But I want to do your will. I want to follow. This is what you were speaking to me. I want to be out so, and I want to be a disciple. I want to have answers to prayer in these areas. Jesus, help meet my need. Jesus, give me the grace that I need. Let me read an illustration here, a life, a missionary came across in the winter of 1945. This is about Helen um, Rosevere. She grew up in a, um, an Anglican home, didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in the winter of 1945, the Lord seemed to meet her in a personal way during a student retreat. She gave her testimony on the final evening, and the Bible teacher, Graham Scroge, wrote Philippians 3.10 in her new Bible and told her, Tonight you've entered into the first part of this verse, that I may know him. This is, the only, this is only the beginning, and there's a long journey ahead. My prayer for you is that you will go on through the, this verse to know the power of his resurrection, and also, God willing, one day perhaps, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. She felt an increased sense of calling towards mission and publicly declared during a missionary gathering in North England, I'll go anywhere God wants me to, whatever the cost. Afterwards, she recounts, I went up into the mountains and I had it out with God. Okay, God, today I mean it. Go ahead and make me more like Jesus, whatever the cost. But please, knowing myself fairly well, 
when I feel I can't stand anymore and I cry out, stop, will you ignore my stop and remember that today I said go ahead? After graduating from Cambridge with her doctorate in medicine, Helen studied for six months at the Worldwide Evangelist Evangelization Crusade College at Crystal Palace. From there, she went to Belgium to study French and Holland to take a course in tropical medicine as she prepared for her appointment as a medical missionary in the Congo. In mid-March of 1953, at the age of 28, she arrived in the northeastern region of the Congo. In the first two years, she founded a training school for nurses, training women to serve as nurse evangelists who, in turn, would run clinics and dispensaries in different regions. In October 1955, she was asked to transfer seven miles away to run an abandoned maternity and leprosy center in Nebabongo, working with local Africans. Helen helped to transform the center into a hospital with 100 beds, serving mothers, lepers, and children, along with a training school for paramedics and 48 rural clinics. Pretty busy lady, huh? Outside of these facilities, there was no other medical help for 150 miles in each direction. Exhausted, Helen returned to England in 1958 for a furlough, during which time she received further medical training. The Congo became independent from Belgium in 1960, and civil war broke out in 1964. All the medical facilities they had established were destroyed. Helen was among 10 Protestant missionaries put under house arrest by the rebel forces for several weeks, after which time they were moved and imprisoned. She describes the horror of what happened after she tried to escape. They found me, dragged me to my feet, struck me over my head and shoulders, flung me on the ground, kicked me, dragged me to my feet only to strike me again. The sickening, searing pain of a broken tooth, a mouthful of sticky blood, my glasses gone. Beyond sense, numb with horror and unknown fear, driven, dragged, pushed back to my own house, yelled at, insulted, cursed. Her captains, she wrote, were brutal and drunken. They cursed and swore. They struck and kicked. They used the butt end of their rifles. We were roughly taken, thrown in prisons, humiliated, threatened. On October 29, 1964, Helen Rosevere was brutally raped. She later recounted, on that dreadful night, beaten and bruised, terrified and tormented, unutterably alone, I had felt at last God had felled me. Surely he could have stepped in earlier. Surely things need not have gone that far. I had reached what seemed to be the ultimate depth of despairing nothingness. In this darkness, however, she sensed the Lord saying to her, You asked me when you were first converted for the privilege of being a missionary. This is it. Don't you want it? These are not your sufferings. They're mine. All I ask for you is the loan of your body. She eventually received an overwhelming sense of privilege that Almighty God would stoop to ask of me, a mere mortal, nobody, in a forest clearing in the jungles of Africa, something he needed. She later pointed to God's goodness despite this great evil. Through the brutal, heartbreaking experience of rape, God met with me. With outstretched arms of love, it was unbelievable experience. He was so utterly there, so totally understanding. His comfort was so complete, and suddenly I knew I really knew that this, his love, was unutterably sufficient. He did love me. He did understand. She also wrote, God understood not only my desperate misery, but also awakened my desires and mixed up horror of emotional trauma. I knew that Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ, was true on all levels, not just on the hyper-spiritual shelf where I had tried to relegate it. He was actually offering to me the inestimable privilege of sharing in some little way the fellowship 
of his sufferings. This theme of privilege became prominent. She described it. One word became unbelievably clear, and that word was privilege. He didn't take away pain or cruelty or humiliation. No, it was all there. But now it was altogether different. It was from him. It was with him, for him, in him. He was actually offering me the inestimable privilege of sharing in some little way the edge of the fellowship of his sufferings. In the weeks of imprisonment that followed, in the subsequent years of continued service, looking back, one has tried to count the cost, but I find it all swallowed up in privilege. The cost suddenly seems very small and transient in the greatness and permanent permanence of the privilege. As I read about that, and I thought about this passage, and I thought about my own life. Maybe you think about your life. You know, we don't have to go and experience this to be a missionary in those kind of settings. But I thought, what are the things that are stopping me? When I go out soul winning and the door is closed in my face, when I'm working with people and they take a turn for a time, is that what stops me? Would I not count it a privilege to give my life and the sacrifice of my time for Jesus Christ? Here missionaries are, and I can go on and recount. If you want another great recounting, um, take up this day in Baptist history and read through that, the Baptist of America and the suffering they first went through. And I think, I don't have to be in that position. Today I may face things that, yes, aren't, don't equal to that at all, but it's what Jesus Christ asked me. And he asked that I would loan my body to him, that I loan my time, that I would give of myself to him for him to use me. And I have a choice. Am I going to follow? Am I going to hear him, know him, let him know? If I can trust Jesus Christ with my eternity, can I not trust him with my life right now? and the moments that I have, and not wait for college to be over and use this part of my life, but right now, even today, tomorrow, this week, in ministry, see God using me. Quickly, let's look at the last thing, not only the offer of Jesus Christ, not only our response to the offer, but then how the offer can change others. Turn to John chapter 7 then, as we finish here. John chapter 7, verse 37, In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Young person, I trust that today you'd even have a renewed sense of appreciation for what Jesus Christ has done for you. He's given you salvation. It's a relationship that lasts for eternity. He calls to you each and every day, every moment of the day, asking you to follow him, having your best interests in mind and wanting to show you the power of his resurrection. The question is, are you going to listen? Are you going to follow? As you do listen, as you do follow, this is the promise that we have. Verse 39, but he spake of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And today, praise the Lord, Jesus is glorified. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He makes intercessions for us. He knows us. He is praying for us. He wants us to follow his voice, because he wants to do great things in your life. And he wants to use your life to impact other people. He wants us to realize that a thirst for something 
needs to take us to God. And in this day of distraction with smartphones and all the different things that we go and immediacy of everything, it can be easy to be distracted and not hear that voice of Jesus Christ. And I trust that when you have that thirst, that longing, even when there's the preaching going, or you're in devotion time, and Jesus, I want you to use me. Or when you read a story like this, God, I want you to use me. God, here's my life. And realizing that this isn't something for years to come, this is today. God, what do you want me to do today that's going to make an impact on eternity? God, if you're big enough to save me for eternity, well then, what is it today that you want to tell me right now that I need to, how I need to live my life? Who is it that you want to reach out to right now that I can make a difference in and help to see them understand this truth? Number two, then, you have to realize that Jesus alone can meet this need requires a thirst for God. Jesus alone can meet this need. We can try and put other things in there. We can try and work and be busy and do all these different things, but Jesus Christ alone is the one that can meet this. And then lastly, resting our faith on Jesus Christ to work. It's the Holy Spirit. This he spake of the Holy Spirit. Out of his belly, out of his innermost being, rivers of living water. The Brown Deer area is the area that we have as refreshed as young adults that we're working to reach into. And so I was thinking on this scripture, I was convicted of just the needs that are there in that community. These simple truths that I understand that many don't even realize. And the question then that the Holy Spirit asked, are you willing to follow me? To give up evenings, to give up other times, to go out, to, to knock on doors, but yes, people may close the door in your face, and people may make fun of you, and people may say these things, but are you willing to give me your body to be used in this way? I don't have to wait until I'm in Africa to be used by God. I can do it right now. I don't have to wait until you're graduated from college. God wants to use you right now. And if there is one thing that would have, you know, as I look back at my college career, and you know, getting right with God my junior year, and then seeing the answer to prayer that he gave, um, as I came into school, God, I want to see a family connected and reached and in the church. And there's still a man that's here. After I got right there my junior year, I was looking to the Lord. I went out and made a visit, and that man is still here today. And yes, um, there are things that God's still doing in his life and helping him that walk with God. But every time I see him, I'm reminded of God answering prayer. I'm reminded of, that's why I came here to school. That's what God wants to do in future ministry. And so because I saw it happen here... Now I can see it tomorrow when I'm a pastor, tomorrow when I'm a missionary. As a young person, bringing this all together, Jesus Christ, he offers you to experience this. Don't lose the reality of salvation. Don't lose what Jesus Christ has given. But then would you recognize there are people that need to have this, but if we are not being filled by the Holy Spirit, if we're not experiencing his presence, if we're just leaving in a victory conference week, it's just a dead end at you, and is that all that God has for you? And how exciting it is, and I trust that you would take and even pray as we think of Easter coming up. We think of this nicer weather. God, where is it? What times do I need to sacrifice to get out? And not just to get out, and we don't just, you know, giving out tracts, that's good, and leaving things at the door, and God can work, and there's examples in my life of even people that I've had contact with, even this morning as I was I'm preparing for this, and just asking the Lord to give strength and guidance. I got a text from a guy who came in on Sunday. Hey, thanks so much. That is what I need there. 
I am saved, I fell away from God, but I need to get on track with him. So even as I was getting this text, he was reaching out to me. I was encouraged. There are lives around here, and there are people that God wants you to reach. Would you understand the greatness of God's salvation? Understand what he's done for you, and would it then flow out to others? Let's bow in a word of prayer here. Right there in your seat, each one of you, would you say to Jesus right now, Thank you for this salvation.